I'm going to come up close. Good morning, everyone. Brian, where are you? There you are. You're a new deacon. Get to work. No, <laughs> kidding. No way. <laughs> no, I've been like, oh, no, what timing, right? So, you know what I want? You all know what I mean. Did, did I just confuse everybody? I have to try harder to confuse you. So, he got elected in as one of our deacons uh, to serve deacon. Did I say elder? Deacon. It's been a rough night, I think. Uh, But anyway, uh, and then he gets sick. And I'm like, what? Right? What? Didn't anybody else go, what, ever? I go, what, a lot. But anyway, good morning. Um, We have been in a series on grace, as my brother mentioned. And um, before we start, I, I'm just dying of curiosity. Uh, do we have that, um, that preacher saying uh, he's the, all of those things? Is that in our memory banks back there? You could find it? If you find it, I've got an introduction, and the timing should be perfect. We can watch that and rejoice in that, because that's an awesome thing, isn't it? Just a, just a kind of a cheer you on as a brother and sister in Christ, who our master is, it's all good, right? So, um, before we start the sermon then completely, uh, or officially, if I can put it that way, um, people were asking me after I did two weeks on the state of the church, and I ran out of time, and I decided to forget about the state of the church after that, not literally, But there were a few things I haven't finished up, so I'm just going to mention some things real quickly, okay? But one of the things that happened was people said, came up to me and said, tell us what that Rainer thing was about the churches. Four unique characteristics of churches that will break out in 2018. Like, they're going to make it. They're going to do well in 2018. And you're all dying to know... Yes, Pastor John. That's the first time I've had to do that in weeks. So, uh, yeah, so I have it right here, and I'm going to read this to you in just a minute. The four things, future bullets, if you will. Here they are. They, one, increase their efforts to reach their communities by fourfold. I'll, I'll, I'll try onefold. Um, By the way, uh, when you talk about seeing outwardly, and we're going to come full circle to this by the end of the sermon about looking outward, the the fields that are white unto harvest. I know sometimes in our culture they don't feel super white unto harvest. You ever have that feeling? Anybody else struggle with that occasionally? I sure do, just telling you. But there are people who are hungry for God, and God is in the business of bringing them into the family. And... uh, Bill Hybels, large church in, in uh, Chicago lands, right? Willow Creek has a teaching ministry, fellowship across the country, around the world actually, training and helping. Uh, one of the things that he used to share about his values, the values in his church, we all live by values. That is the way we do things. They're either formal, like on our bulletin we have them formally. They need to be reworked probably to make them more genuinely ours. But either formally or informally, we live by values. It's the way we do things. Bill Heibel's point was that if you have 
evangelism as a value. That is reaching out to people who need to know Christ. And by the way, we all need to know Christ. We're going to uh, park on that in a few minutes in the passage we're going to read. You have to work twice as hard, the way he used it was a football illustration. I don't know. Maybe that's appropriate this week. No comments on what happened. But anyway, you have to push twice as hard to get that ball down the field as anything else. You can push other things pretty well, but pushing that one takes twice as much effort. So he said, these churches made up their mind to reach their communities by fourfold. Number two, they focused their congregations to pray John 17. Anybody know what that's about? That we might be one like he and his father are one, it might manifest to the world, and that those sheep who are not yet in the fold would be drawn in. So they made that a prayer priority. Number three, they made a concerted effort to abandon the entitlement mentality. Now, what that means is, remember, we've talked about being a country club versus being a genuine church. So you choose to reject that mentality. And the last one goes back again to the subject of prayer. They prayed for hearts that would be willing to accept new paradigms. In other words, doing things differently. I've had this conversation recently. Uh, you know, some folks have come back to Harmony and we've talked, this Harmony now is not what it was 30 years ago. And actually, by the grace of God, we never will. We want to move forward into the ways God is doing his business. The gospel does not change. This is where we get confused. The gospel does not change. People need to be renewed by the spirit of God through being born again. They need that. And that work is continual, and sin is still sin. But how we do things, I don't know about you, I was big generation, I got born again listening to a guy you never heard of, Billy Graham. You know, and uh, that was the main way that evangelism was often done in those days. It's not done that way as much today, but God is still bringing souls into his kingdom. So those were the four, uh, the, uh, four things, right? Increased efforts by fourfold to go outward, praying on John 17 for unity and an effect on nonbelievers. They made a concerted effort to abandon the entitlement mentality, and they prayed for hearts, this was the last one, that would be willing to change. And since 2018 is the year of change, now we all know how to pray this year, right? Yes, okay. By the way, so I had a couple of things I wanted to mention. Here's some of the things that you can expect that will happen this, this year or we're trying to work on and get going. And I wanted to say that, oh, it's been about two months ago, we had a very intensive prayer meeting. Uh, any of you were here? Some of you were here. We had a very a good crowd and a very intentional, very intensive prayer meeting. We prayed over our facilities. We walked around sections of this building to pray over areas where, to be blunt, sins occurred. In the church? Yes. And we prayed for God to break the hold that the enemy might have. And uh, I believe we made some progress. And one of the things that I've sensed a difference in has been your um, interaction with me on Sundays that I feel like we're engaging, that we're wanting to learn, that there are more of us pressing in. I like to refer to the little flock 
There are always flocks. There are always churches, which are, you know, the shepherds call them their flock. When Jesus speaks to his disciples, he calls them the little flock. And he says, don't be afraid, little flock. The Father has gladly chosen to give you the kingdom. So there are people who are around the kingdom but never really get a hold of it. And then there's the little flock who are hungry for the kingdom work to be happening in their lives. Is that making sense? Okay. Here's some things we've got to do. We keep working on our facilities. It's, a, it's an old building. There are a lot of things that have to get fixed. The FNF team is like, yeah. Right, Jimmy? Yeah. And so we're going to keep doing that. We've got a, a new uh, brother in the church going to help us. We'll be working on some security. And by the way, we have to face this reality in our generation. We have to have a plan for shooter response. You just have to. Okay, so we're going to put those things in place, have the right people on that team. The uh, rest of you don't have to worry about it. I mean, I hope you don't worry about it. I don't worry about it. But it is a reality in the world we live in. It just is. You say, oh, who would pay any attention to harmony? That's what everybody thinks. So we're going to pay attention. So that's one thing we'll be doing. Uh, we'll be working on uh, vision casting with some, some uh, I hate to use the word PR, but like visual and, and words that will speak life to us about um, vision for outreach and doing the kingdom work. We'll have to think in some new paradigms and uh, maybe some rebranding, including our name. Now, remember what that prayer was. It was right here on this little sheet. They prayed for hearts that would be willing to accept new paradigms. Okay. So as soon as I said that, oh, oh please. Next, we're working on leadership. We've already started training uh, future elders, deacons, whatever. And so we have had, I'm just being blunt, it's been a tough four years trying to move that subject forward. And it ain't on me. Just going to tell you it ain't. If it's on me, I'll tell you and I'll ask forgiveness. This one isn't on me. Trying to move it forward, it's not easy. And so we've got some potentials. We're going to move ahead as best as we can, hopefully vote in some elders this, this year and uh, change our, our structure, start moving forward, get it back to where it ought to be. Uh, keep working on ministry alignment and improvement. Uh, I know our mission team, we have kicked around connecting with some of our missionaries that we personally support to be engaged in a mission trip uh, with people we know and that we could return to and know for sure that we're making a serious investment. And so uh, that's, a, that's on the horizon. Don't know if we'll pull that off this year, probably not at the rate we're going, but it's in the, it's in the folder. And the last thing, working on outreach. This guy says, increase it fourfold. I'm going to be happy with onefold, and uh, I'll tell you how as we get through the sermon. So these things we can do. This morning, I want to talk about grace, about the things we can't do. Okay, there are things we can do and things we can't do. Anybody get my little trick here? There's things I had control, whether I wanted to get out of bed today, come to church, all of that. I, I, I had total control of that. If revival breaks out this morning, I have no control over that. If a demon-possessed person starts rolling in the aisle, I have no control over that. Jesus has control over that, and we can probably stop it. Everyone's looking at me like, oh, what nonsense. That's because you've never seen it. 
I have. It's all real, all of that reality. So, worshiping our great God, did we find that thing? You are the man, or you men's. There's two men's back there. You are the men's. Let's run that and let's praise God, right? And then we'll look into the word. He's the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well-trained of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his word is lighter. God's people said, Amen. Amen. Need an injection of that once a quarter, I think. What do you think? Well, would you take your Bible in the pew or your own Bible and turn to Acts chapter 3? And I'm going to ask those who uh, have the energy and don't have any aches and pains and can stand or, or are very pregnant. 
I'll let them slide too, but otherwise, if you would stand with me as we read. This is page 1091, page 1091. The story is that the church has been established, the Spirit has fallen on them, God is bringing many souls into the kingdom, and Peter and John go up to the temple, and there is a person who is miraculously healed, and people are astounded, and their mouths are hanging open, and Peter says, why are you amazed? And he describes who it is that has rescued this man. And the story continues at verse 17 on 1091, chapter 3, verse 17. And now, brethren, Peter says, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that is, Christ would suffer, he has fulfilled. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord that he may send Jesus, the Christ, appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says. Notice this. It will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announce these days. It is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, In your seed all families on the earth shall be blessed. For you first, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray before you sit down. In the great name of Jesus, God, we thank you that you are everything that that brother just stated. <laughs> Some of us may, may totally relate today to what he said. Can't get them out of your mind. Can't get them off your hands. You're just nagging someone here today because you love them and you want them to enter into rest. And so, Lord, today we pray that we might have a little more understanding of your marvelous grace. It's been illustrated to us in so many ways. Please illumine our minds, whether we are little flock members or those who are around the periphery of that flock watching what's going on, as many were around that circle that followed Jesus all, all over the place. Some were on the periphery, looking in, curious perhaps, not pressing into the center to meet you face to face. Help us, Lord, if we haven't come to rest in you, help us to do so, maybe today. And uh, those of us who are your children, would you strengthen our inner man? Because the days in which we live, as many good things as we enjoy, I, I think it's safe to say we live in evil times. So we, as your disciples, need strengthening in the inner man, in the inner woman, to honor you 
and to stand against the profound weight of unbelief that our culture shovels on us on a daily basis. Lord, just in these last few days, I could sense that, that lying coming down on my mind as I interact with people who are, are, are just resistant and in darkness. And, and it's like, how, how can anyone see this? Well, I know how. When you shine the light into their hearts like you shine the light into ours. The lights come on, reality becomes clear. We pray for help and a little understanding about that today. Lord, move your little flock forward here at Harmony Baptist Church, uh, where we have, as we saw in that passage out of Revelation, we have a little strength. We need you to increase it. Help us today. Hear our prayer. Help me to communicate to your honor, your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and all of God's people said, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So, Grace Illustrated, if I could put to the next, there we are. The Grace Awakening. I, I asterisked that you saw where I stole it, right? It's an old book, The Grace Awakening. Charles Swindoll. It's been around a while. I want to read something out of it in just a couple of minutes, if I could. And uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But the passage we just read, the context, is Peter speaking to the people to whom the Messiah was sent, who collectively rejected the Messiah. But there's an application for all humanity, right? It wasn't just for the Jewish people. He says, to the, you first, this Messiah was sent. To you first, and Paul says it this way, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek, which means the rest of us. That's all of us in New Testament language. That's what he's talking about. And a very interesting statement it is that this Christ is the one that all men and women must come to believe in. And, and uh, Jesus himself made that very politically incorrect claim. Uh, you're a member of the, if you're a member of this church, you've already settled that issue, even though in our culture it's, not, you know, it's just rude to say something like that, that there's actually absolutes and there's right and wrong, and who do you think you are? And uh, I don't think I'm much, that's for sure. I don't, but I know who is much, and I know who's right, and I can trust him, and we can unpack what he says because so much of it is so absolutely clear. So we have this little sermon here, and uh, if you're a note-taker on the Grace Awakening sheet here, the first thing I want to talk about is grace in the new community. And you notice that each, the two main bullets have what he does versus what we do. There are things that God does that we have no control over. And then there are things that we do that we do have control over, we do or don't do, and that's why later on, when I continue in this series, I'll, I'll spend at least one sermon on the means of grace. Because, you know, God doesn't just leave us helplessly and we, we pray, hopefully he'll show up today and help me. There are things we can do to kind of encourage the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives and help us. Those are called the means of grace. But there are things that God does that we can't do and things that we do that God isn't going to do for us. We have to do them. 
So let's look at that. And what I want to do is I want to start with this one verse in Acts chapter 3 that we skim through. And here it is. This is what God does. The first word is what we do. Repent, therefore, and return. Repent, therefore, and return. By the way, the word return is the used, word used all the time, both Old Testament and New Testament. Whenever you see the word for revival or renewal, and by the way, I'm scared of the word revival. I hate even... There are weeks that when I'm going to preach, I struggle. Can I be blunt? I, I struggle. This is one of them. Because we think all wrong thoughts about these kind of words. And revival is one that we always think badly. You know, we think of meetings. We think of signs on a marquee that say revival meetings. You know, they're not revival. They're revival meetings. And we think that, oh, how do you schedule a revival if it comes from the presence of the Lord, that your sins may be wiped away in order that, here's what God does, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Very interesting words in this particular passage. Times, in fact, in the Greek, it's plural. Time after time after time of refreshing. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it? Time after time. Peter doesn't know how long it's going to be before Jesus comes back, but he does know that we need time after time of refreshing. What are they coming off of? The day of Pentecost, right? Pentecost had happened. We don't know how many weeks, months, years we're at now. We don't know. Probably in the first year. But another season, another time of refreshing. The word time, by the way, is the word can be translated seasons. One verse that has sustained me in the back of my mind at times when things are dry. Anybody had dry seasons? By the way, Martin Luther, ever heard of him? He wrote a little booklet called Spiritual Dryness. Oh, no, it wasn't him. Yeah, well, no, maybe it was. I don't know. There's a guy who wrote Spiritual Dryness. I have to go look it up. I think it was him, though. I think it was him. But we do go through seasons of dryness. Peter, uh, Paul says to his uh, disciple, Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season. There are times we're out of season. It's dry. No grapes. No grape juice. No wine. Anyway, you, know, you get it? There's times you're out of season. Paul says, preach it anyway. Preach the truth anyway. That sustains me. Because I've seen God in season. I've also seen it out of season. We need a season of refreshing. That's where I'm going. A grace awakening, if you will. So repent and return. That's what we do. God does he sends times of refreshing that they may come from where? The presence of the Lord. The next verse, that he may send Jesus. There's more ways that he sends Jesus than just the second coming that we're waiting for. And by the way, the Bible does teach clearly that Jesus is going to come back bodily and set everything right. I know, it's, it's like, in our culture, it's like, really? Yeah, really. He was here once. If you've seen seasons of refreshing, you can see little windows into what's coming. Little windows into what's coming. Right? Like little times that the Spirit moves in and brings, I mentioned earlier, deliverance from a demonic stronghold. Persons changed. 
a person who has the elders come and pray for him and anoint him with oil, and he gets healed. He rises up from his sickbed. You see these little windows into what's coming when it all gets set right. That's what the millennium's all about. Okay, That's what's coming. But in the meantime, there are seasons where Jesus comes to church. <laughs> see, I said that one morning, and people misunderstood. Oh, I'd love it if Jesus came there. No, no, no. I mean, if he comes to church... You know, we'd be on our faces. My wife loves to say that. Remind me every so often. I, people say, I wish Jesus was here to take care of that rotten person who hurt my feelings. <laughs> and my wife says, yeah, we'd all be on our faces. All of us. Including you, Weiner. Anyway, so you get what I'm saying. The word refreshing, that seasons of refreshing. Interesting Greek word. Room to breathe. Relief. Breathing space. Recovery of breath. Catching your breath. I mean, so I, it's no secret. I, we do karate, right? I, I do a little karate. And once in a while, I spar with my instructor, who's a... I shouldn't say how many degrees. More than I've got. I'm telling you, in about three minutes, I'm... <gasps> I need refreshing. I've even had to say, can we stop now? (laughs) Room to breathe. That times of refreshing might come from the presence of the Lord and bring me back to what? Normal breathing. Are you following me? Normal breathing. All of you are listening to me. Yeah, I can't wait to get home after dinner today and just... Right? I do. What did it look like when the saints were normally breathing? Let's look at a verse. Then, this is the day of Pentecost, right? 3,000 souls come into the kingdom. What a great day that would be. Who, who can help me follow up? If that ever happens here, I'm just going to leave town. No, I'm not I'm kidding, right? 3,000 people. I'm reeling in not the fish. I want to reel fish in. We, we want to increase our efforts at least one fold, right? Or what would that be, 100%? Derek, are you with, you're with me? 100%? Or do we want to go 200%? Would you, are you happy with 100%? Oh, brother, not working with me here. I'm trying to reel in my ADD right now because I was thinking about 3,000 people coming into the kingdom. Can I just edify you? Pastor Peter did not disciple all those people personally. It was the body. It was you. Are you with me? Quit thinking 2,000 years. Think now. It's the body. And so they came into the kingdom. Then those who received his word were baptized. First state, the first thing of, yes, sir, you're the boss. Whatever you say, I'll do. That's how I instruct new disciples. You're getting baptized because he said to do it. End of discussion. You say you're a follower. Why don't you do what he says? Hello? Hello? And there were added that day 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves. Here's what they did. To the apostles' teaching. What's that? It's not a trick question. 
Thank you. So they were in the Word, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. What was fellowship? It was not discussing the eagle's win. As cool as that was. I'm nobody's... Anyway, enough of that. That's not... We say, oh, we had fellowship. What are you talking about? Cars. And, the, and by the way, the cars are fun. Got to have them. No, fellowship is where we're edifying one another. We're, we're encouraging one another, speaking to one another. Breaking of bread, what's that? Eating. Potlucks. No, that's not what it's referring to. Anybody else want to guess? Yes, it's talking to the breaking of bread in remembering the Lord Jesus, around which agape meals developed, potlucks. Okay? So, got to get first things first, communion first, then potluck. Everybody with me? Okay. I know you're Baptist. We're trying to move us forward here. All right. And the last thing. And to what? Prayer. Then there's a description of what went on. There were miracles happening. People were sharing of their possessions, which, by the way, is an indicator of whether you're an idolater or not. And there's a fellowship happening where all the people in the community are watching and saying, what is it with those people? It's not a commission to become communist. That's not what it's saying. But they were loving each other actively, even with their possessions and all that they had. And because of that, the level of excitement was up, and people were drawn. And here's what it says. In the temple, breaking bread from house to house. What was breaking bread? Communion and potluck, right? They were taking their meals together. There's the potluck. With gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. Are we... Enjoying God with gladness, sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's the activity of the church. That's what they did. There's no question there was a powerful work of the Spirit that jump-started all of this, but then they sustained that flow of grace by doing those things that we just read about. They were in the Word. They were hungry for the Word. Can, can I just exhort some of us? We've been Christians for a long time. We sometimes park here mentally. Yeah, I already know this. There are a few of you probably have already checked me out. already know this. Every time people tell me, I had a guy say, I don't want to say too much, but, oh, I already know all about that. And I'm like, okay. I just didn't say anything else because if I did, it would have come across really bad. Because here is somebody, it, it, somebody failing completely in an it. But I know all about that. No, you don't. Oh, I know what the Bible. Really? Then try doing some of it. That might mean that you know what it says. We need that kind of injection of a season of grace. Would anybody want to argue about this? Oh, it got real quiet. Somebody wants to argue. No. We need, we need that work of power in the lives of disciples. Listen, where's the next generation? I have often mentioned some of you fine older saints who built places like this. 
We're going to our reward soon, right? I'm throwing myself in there. I get my AARP card, you know, all the time. I'm, I'm saying, we're going to go to our reward. Where's the next generation? Where is the power and authority that rises up in saints who become stewards? They actually give their money away. Do you know what I'm saying? Not all of it. You've got to eat. But you get what I'm saying, that actually steward their possessions, steward their funds, Take that seriously. Actually share with other people who know about this thing called fellowship and receiving correction and moving forward in their... Wow, you just rebuked me about something. Thank you. Do you know how rare that is in my life? I have to rebuke you about... Thank you for speaking life to me. I'm going to put that on my prayer agenda and see if God can't grow me out of that and pass that problem. That should be the normal. Where are they if there isn't a season of refreshing? They'll share the gospel. They'll pray like they actually believe in God. You follow what I mean? So, That's why I chose this title, The Grace Awakening. And there's several applications. One, if you're hearing me today and you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, that's the first awakening you need. That he might send you, (laughs) Jesus, to cleanse you from your sin, to make him Lord of your life. That's when the lights come on, right? Anybody had that happen? Know what I mean? Oh, I used to think living like this, you know, I, oh, I could be really crass. You know, I, I'm trying to get away with as much as I can. I'm trying to cheat the man, trying to beat the big business, you know, stealing from the company till. I'm trying to score with as many girls as possible. Whatever the garbage, it's when the light comes on, you go, what was I thinking? What a mess. Look at all the dirt. Look at all the wreckage I've left behind me. That only comes by what? Grace awakening. That's why I know grace is working in a person's life. If they're still struggling with why, oh, I could have gotten away with that much more, they don't get the gospel. You know, do anybody know what I mean? You know, I got saved from that boy. I sure want to go back in just a few more times. I've missed it. This is what he does. He breathes life into us. This is what we do. We respond and utilize the means of grace so that we grow in grace. Grace in the new community. We just looked at it. Now, just for a moment, grace in the issue of revival or renewal. Use the words interchangeably for today, okay? Just make it, I'm trying to make it simple. It's not about special meetings. It's not about being hyper- It's not about barking like a dog, falling on the floor, laughing, whatever. I mean, there's stuff like that that happens. Once in a while, the Spirit does surprise you, you you conservative folks. It does surprise you sometimes that the Holy Spirit will go in and grab somebody in the midst of something odd. Okay? It does happen. But that's not what we're talking about. So let me a little bit unpack it if I could. But let me start with this. I want to read from the Grace Awakening. I think one of the places we do need to grow. This is the very first chapter of the Grace Awakening. Are you ready for this? This is fun. There are killers on the loose today. That's more real than it used to be. The problem is that you can't tell by looking. 
They don't wear little buttons that give away their identity, nor do they carry signs warning everybody to stay away. On the contrary, a lot of them carry Bibles and appear to be clean-living, nice-looking, law-abiding citizens. Most of them spend a lot of time in churches, some in places of religious leadership. Many are so respected in the community, their neighbors would never guess that they are living next door to killers. They kill freedom, spontaneity, creativity. They kill joy as well as productivity. They kill with their words. They kill with their pens. They kill with They kill with social media. They kill with their looks. Bad girl. They kill with their attitudes far more often than with their behavior. There's hardly a church or Christian organization or Christian school or missionary group or media ministry where such danger does not lurk. The amazing thing is that they get away with it day in and day out, without being confronted or exposed. Strangely, the same ministries would not tolerate heresy for 10 minutes. Well, yeah, we would these days. But anyway, that's another subject. They'll step aside and allow these killers all the space they need to maneuver and manipulate others in the most insidious manner imaginable. Their intolerance is tolerated. Their judgmental spirits remain unjudged. Their bullying tactics continue unchecked. And their narrow-mindedness is either explained away or quickly defended. The bondage that results would be criminal if it were not so subtle and wrapped in such spiritual-sounding garb. This day, this very moment, millions are living their lives in shame, fear, and intimidation. Boy, if you didn't hear anything else I've said, listen to this. This is not victorious Christian living. That's the whole point. This day, this very moment, millions are living their lives in shame, fear, and intimidation who should be free, productive individuals. The tragedy is they think it's the way they should be. They have never known the truth that could set them free. They are victimized, existing as if living on death row instead of enjoying the beauty and fresh air of the abundant life Christ modeled and made possible for all his followers to claim. Unfortunately, most don't have a clue to what they're missing. And here's the last line. And that whole package, the clue, is a word. Grace. Grace. <laughs> Oh, I'm calling for a new awakening of freedom for Christians that they have in Christ, he says in his book. The chance that I'm willing to take and what he's talking about, and you've heard me preach this before and maybe not strongly enough. If you come to know Christ, if you ask him to deal with your wreckage, He will purge you and forgive you for all of your sin. That's our problem. We have ignored the word sin. A psychologist once wrote, Menninger, remember, whatever became of sin. That was the name of his book. Because he knew sin was a healthy thing for culture. Do you follow what what he was saying? Having some guilt, some shame is a healthy thing. We don't have any anymore, hardly. If you will let... Jesus, take that off your plate. The scripture says he will forgive you completely, past, present, and... That was easy, right? (laughs) Past, present, and future. 
You mean I can still sin? You're going to. Even if you try real hard not to, which you should be trying real hard not to, but you're going to. Everybody with me? And he forgives you, past, present, and future. Grace is sufficient for your whole life. Therefore, I can lay down my... Remember those songs, you know, I'm, 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 I'm losing my shame. How did that, that work? I'm going to do that. Anyway, forget it. I, I don't quit my day job here. All right. I'm losing my shame, however that is. Yeah, whatever. I'm laying it all at the feet of the cross or whatever, that, however that goes. It's one of those. I'm trading my sorrows. Thank you, Randy. Your job is secure for another week. All right. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. That's freedom for a Christian. Do you understand? It doesn't mean I don't think about some of what I did and go, oh, gee. But I'm not living in bondage to it. I'm not living under shame and weighted down. And who am I to say anything to anybody? I'm nobody. I'm a dirty, no good, rotten Yeah, God already knew that when he saved you. Saved. Past, present, and future. And his point is, is there a risk in that? Yes. Because some people say, oh, I believe the gospel. And just, I'm going to go party. In fact, there were people in the New Testament, Paul had to rebuke and said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You're getting it all wrong, ding-dings. That's what he was saying. It's a biblical word, ding-ding. I'm telling you. So, Mr. Swindoll says, I'm trying to, I'm taking a risk because grace is risky. I wish people wouldn't do that. I wish they wouldn't have the two sin reactions. Libertinism, which is do what you want because grace covers me. I can party. Or the opposite, which is law, law, law instead of grace. Keep all these 500 rules. You You might as well join. There's a local cult that's real big in the area. All you have to do is do what they say. Rules. God has principles in mind for us to live by that bring us joy. But here's what he says. I wish these things would not occur, those two sinful responses, but that's the chance I'm willing to take by holding nothing back in order that the full message of grace is set forth. Yes, grace that is presented in all its charm and beauty is risky, it brings grace abusers as well as grace killers out from under the rocks. <laughs> Let me give an example he has at the back of his book. He says, uh, there's a little comparison of shame-based spirituality to healthy spirituality. Number one, I'm just going to read a few of them. One, having problems is sin. Oh boy, we're all, it's all over. Having problems means you're sinning. Get what I'm saying? That's not true. Emotions are sinful. (gasps) I saw somebody get excited during worship. (gasps) Boy, one of these days we're going to have Tim Hawkins on his raising hands. You ever see that? That's all right. We're going to have a little lesson on worship here. Emotions are sinful. Having fun is sinful. Yes, Pastor John. (laughs) Having fun is sinful. Spirituality is perfection. Uh Uh-uh. Sexuality is sin. Success is sin. What? Or lack of success is sin. 
Oh, you must be sinning. What's that? Well, they want it both ways. Some of them do. If I'm not healed, it's due to my lack of faith. Oh, ow, right, right, ow. See, we're not operating in grace at that point. Imagine speaking that death into a person's life. All you have to do is read. That's why I wanted you guys to read the Bible. It's an Old Testament passage. It says, I think it was the great prophet Elijah was now sick of the disease he was going to die from. That's what the word of God said. He was sick with the disease he was going to die from. Sinful prophet that he was. No! God's sovereignty over our lives. He knew. He was ready. See? So we get that all mixed up sometimes. Uh-oh. Yes, ma'am. Okay, I think the question is, is sickness ever because of sin? The answer simple, without going into it, yes. Okay, it's right in your New Testament as well as the Old, all right? Passage on communion that we talked about, communion earlier, very clear. Some of you are sick, some of you are sleeping, meaning you've died. God had enough of your violation of his holy table. That's what it says. So, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Great. Amen. Did everybody hear that? Exactly. I love it. Yep. That's the whole point of this. Yes. Holy, oh, you know what? Our sermon is over for the day. We're going to take Q&A now. Speak up loud. Is it only due to sin? No, no, no. But, but here, wait, wait. Let's we'll, we'll, back, back it up. Here we go. Back it up. Rewind the tape. Sickness, death, destruction, everything that came into our world is because of sin, right? All the way back, but we're not personally responsible for that. No. Let's face it. How many things that we've inherited genetically and all of this kind of stuff? I hate my parents and grandparents for that. It was them. You get what I'm saying? So, no, that is not true. But, no, what, what uh, Christine was asking about was disciplinary. It was disciplinary, and God does discipline his children. Okay? So... Redemptively, what is, what is discipline for my child? It's to be redemptive. It's to help them grow up and be responsible adults, right? That's the whole point of discipline. God treats us as sons and daughters. If I'm a, in a healthy home, some of it... Oh, boy, now I'm all over the place. I did not grow up in a healthy home. My father was a violent, filthy person. My childhood memory was watching him bash my mother's head on the floor right in front of a four-year-old kid. Do you think I had to do some work to deal with my heavenly father loving me? But God is faithful. I'm telling you, brethren, the grace of God, the grace awakening is available for you because my God Almighty fathered this fatherless man. You hear me? 
and he can do the same thing for you. I'm not an exception. That's what we got to get past. And that fear holds us back so many times. Oh, not me. I've got this wrong or that wrong. Or You got it wrong. He wants you to walk in the freedom. In fact, it's called the liberty of the sons of God, the liberty of the children of God. That's what we should be walking in, right? We need a grace awakening. <laughs> and I want to help us learn how to pray into that, but I don't have time to teach you today. Did, you, did I get your last question? Good. Okay. Everybody happy? I'm going to just show you one more thing. I'm going to wind it down. And I'm, I, literally, the second half is next time. How do you like that? Let me just show you where I was going a little bit, if I could, wherever my notes. And I hate when this happens. You got me all riled up, everybody. You got me all riled up. Oh, yes. Okay, so... Let's just be reminded of what grace is. I showed you this a while back. Millard Erickson, one of the great theologians, his book on theology. God deals with his people not on the basis of their merit or worthiness. That's where what Carolyn Balaam was just talking about, the fear that we live under. If we know we feel guilty about certain things or we're shamed about it or whatever it is, it holds us back. But God blesses us not on the basis of how well you perform, you don't get saved. If you're listening to me today and you've never trusted Christ, you don't get saved. Here's what people do all the time. Oh, I, you know what? I know I've got to stop this smoking habit, so I'm going to... Let me quit smoking first. You're never going to... Then what else is he going to show you? What else is next? Oh, I've got to stop the porn. I've got to stop the... Stealing from the till. I got, I got to stop cheating on my income. Let me get my truck together this year, and then next year I'll accept Jesus. You may never have it next year. You may not make it. You get him in your life now, he'll sort it all out for you. Trust me, he will. He's been sorting me out for 45 years, and he's almost like this. You know, at this point, he's like, oh, is he ever going to get this? You know, I'm getting close. But it's like, whoa. <laughs> Merit or worthiness? No. Not because of what they deserve. Simply according to what? Your need. What do you need? Sometimes we think we know what we need. Yeah, I want the Escalade, baby. Load it. God says, uh-uh. Your Sonic will do just fine. And by the way, I love it. Because of grace. According to their need. In other words, he deals with them on the basis of his goodness and generosity. Next slide. That means he supplies us with what kind of favors? Undeserved. Say it again. Undeserved. That's you and me. I don't deserve it. Let me read this one thing in the foreword here of his Grace Awakening book, quoting Richard J. Newhouse. The moralizing and legalizing of gospel of God's grace. The moralizing and legalizing of the gospel of God's grace. That's what happens in churches. Make a bunch of little moral rules. and We're nice, cleaned up kind of churchy people. The moralizing and legalizing of gospel of God's grace is a dull heresy peddled to disappointed people who are angry because they have not received what they had no good reason to expect. <laughs> Did you get that? You didn't get 
what you had no good reason to expect to get. Because what we deserve to get is what? But he gives us mercy and grace and status and adoption and power and renewal and seasons of refreshing from the Holy Spirit if we will seek it. That's next time, seeking it. Amen, sister. Yeah, well, and how, how, how full of faith do I have to be? You know, the guy got his son returned to him from demon possession that was trying to kill him. How did he answer Jesus? Jesus said, can I help you? Uh, everything's possible to him who believes. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. How much faith do I have? Just a little bit, man. Just start moving on what you got. You came here. You're listening to me. You're shaking your head. You got enough. Work with it. Work with it. Work with what you got, right? I'm going to ask us into the future to pray into seasons of refreshing and also increase our effort outward. Let's stand together as we close. You've been a great, great body today. And by the way, when I said earlier that your interaction with me was some of what I've noticed, that's not because you're interacting with me. I believe that's because we're interacting with him giving him an ear in his own church. Remember, Jesus is standing at the door knocking. He's knocking on the door of the church, not the unbelieving heart. It's used that way all the time in sermons, wrongly. It works. But he's knocking on the door of the church to be brought in to fellowship so that we dialogue, we interact, and we have a living relationship with a living Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we bless you today. Lord, we heard you exalted in the words of that brother <laughs> that you are, you're indescribable. <laughs> and you are, you're amazing. And Lord, today we're talking about grace awakenings. It's all grace that you would pay any attention to us. The fact that you didn't spin the earth out into the extremities of the universe and let us perish is all grace. The world is saying you don't exist and we happened by chance out of a blob. But Lord, you're the maker of heaven and earth and you've made us. And in our innermost being, every one of us, whether we've bowed our knee to you or not, we know that there's something beyond us. We know it that we're accountable to something way above us. I want to thank you that you've not kept yourself secret. You have revealed yourself and you've sent yourself, literally the third, the second person of the triune Godhead, into the world so that we could look upon Jesus incarnate and see grace. We could behold grace. So, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that our master Jesus and his ways and his grace and his, his bestowing of the spirit and seasons of refreshing might be our portion in the days ahead. We, we lean in, listening for you, God. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Put your angels around them today. Guard us. I believe in your angelic protection. Guard us so that we can live on into the days ahead and fulfill your purposes for us. We pray for help. 
In the great name of Jesus, we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen and amen. God bless you, and have a wonderful day, and go get your kids.